Welcome to the Mining and Markets Podcast, hosted by Synergy Capital, your source for finding opportunity in the junior mining and resources space, one voice at a time. Welcome back to another episode of the Mining and Markets Podcast by Synergy Capital. Joining us today is Craig Taylor, the CEO of Defense Metals Corp., which trades on the Venture Exchange under symbol DEFN and on the OTC under symbol DFMTF. Craig, how are you today? Good, Aleem. Thanks for having me. Look, there's so much happening in the rare earth space right now. The market is getting excited, and I'm looking forward to discussing not only the company, but sort of the general macro outlook. You know, Craig, it's clear that there's a story developing here. There's a need for more domestic rare earth production than ever before. The biggest catalyst or story, so to speak, in the last month or two has been with respect to China possibly imposing new restrictions on rare earth exports which puts the spotlight directly on defense metals. Can you describe what we're seeing here and how this plays a direct part in the development of the company's Wichita project? Well, essentially what we're seeing and what we've predicted is that the Chinese government will weaponize rare earths. And I think they've taken the first step towards that with their announcement last week. So it's been our goal to advance this project and de-risk it as quickly as possible so that we are at the forefront as the world comes to the realization that they need a a secure domestic supply chain of critical minerals. And I think we're there. Right. So, you know, Wichita is by far the most advanced rare earth development project in North America, and you guys are making some serious strides right now towards production. Can you talk a little bit about the stage of development the company is currently in? Yeah, we're at the pre-feasibility level. We finished our PEA in January of 2022. We've done considerable work already at the pre-fees stage. We've completed our hydromet pilot plant. We are in the process of doing an updated resource, which will be out imminently. Uh, Those two pieces of data will be given to Hatch, who is our processing engineer, and SRK, who is our mining engineers, and that will be used to provide data for the PFS, which we're due to have out in January of 2024. And that's a significant milestone. There's not a lot of companies, especially in the rare space, that even get to that stage. So it really sets us apart from everyone else that, you know, starting their developments now, their infancy stage. We're well down the path. So Craig, correct me if I'm wrong. There's only one producing rare earth mine in North America, which is Mount Pass. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, it is. It's, it's funny. We've actually been referred to as the Mountain Pass of Canada by a banker down in, in Houston. And we're hoping to be the second producer. We could possibly partner with them in the future. Um, you know, it's just a rail line down to California. They're building a processing facility right now that we could tap into. And if not, there's plans for more processing facilities in the U.S. that we can tap into, as well as globally, Korea, Japan, Australia, and Europe are all in need of, of NDPR feed. Right. Okay. So, you know, Mountain Pass is owned by MP Materials, which is kind of a, a, I guess, a $4.5 billion company. And Defense Metals is kind of around that 60 million Canadian market cap. Metallurgical work aside, how would you compare the grades here? What's the kind of the difference between the two? They're very similar. You know, we get about a 45% concentrate and we're getting about a 93% oxide. So there's a real discrepancy, obviously, in in the market cap. When we are in production, we will represent 10% of global production and we will be producing about 70% of what Mountain Pass does. So if you do that math, we're, we're well behind in market cap and unjustly so. 
Wow, that's great. You know, kind of just taking a step back, you mentioned that, you know, the kind of the stories that China could weaponize rare earths. You know, how did North America become dependent on China for the supply of rare earths, given its crucial purpose with technology and military? Well, in the 80s, the leaders of China made a statement that that rare earths are going to be to China what oil is to Saudi Arabia. And so they really worked to develop their, their supply chain uh, through processing, mining, and then ultimately to magnet production. And the U.S. let them do that because um, I think they were appeasing to, to environmentalists. They didn't want to do that work in their backyard. And and the U.S. has really shied away from mining in the in the last number of years. And, and I think that's coming full circle. I think they've realized they've made a mistake. I think they're reacting a little bit too slowly, but they are starting to react. I mean, it is a crisis. You know, the DOD is very conscious of this. If, if China cuts off rare earths, there's 3,500 military components that the DOD draws from rare earths from China for. So they're in a real pickle. They've got a trillion dollar military budget, yet they have their adversary building their military components. So there's going to have to be a shift. They're going to have to act quickly and i think they're starting to but again they're they're a decade too late right and hypothetically if china you know does cut off western supply of rare earths we would be you're saying that we'd be completely dependent on mp materials mountain pass or is there any other you know mines outside of north america that we could we could use their materials from yeah there's there's actually um, 11 producing light rare earth mines in the world seven are in china so there's there's several in Australia and then Mountain Pass in the Western world, uh, which is not enough to to feed the need for the electric vehicle market, wind turbines, military applications. Air conditioning is a big one too. We're seeing temperatures around the globe that we've never seen. And so air conditioners are going to come into play as well. But they're really in essentially every component that you use that has a little motor in, your electric car seats, your computers, your your cell phones. It's well used and extremely needed. Right. But you'd say the biggest use would be military applications. Is that right? No, the the biggest use is electric vehicles. So just to meet EV demand, we have to double production in the next 10 years. And that's the equivalent of bringing on one mountain pass every year for the next 10 years. And the feed is just not there. The mines are not there. We'll, We'll be part of the solution. And we'll be the leader, but there's going to have to be more discovered and and developed. Got it. Okay. And, and just to switch focus a little bit, you know, the company recently closed a big $12 million financing with a lead order from RCF, which of course is fantastic to see. Craig, how are these funds going to be used? Um, I know that you guys have done a lot of drilling. Is the focus now metallurgical and PFS or is there anything else that we should be aware of? Yeah, it'll all be put towards PFS, you know, engineering costs are, are high. Um, we are doing more sonic drilling. We're doing more geotech drilling. We will have trade-off studies uh, as it pertains to tailings, um, sites, uh, processing, etc. But having RCF as a partner is a real uh, validation for us. It, you know, they're the second biggest mining funder in the world, and they did extensive due diligence. They they did four months of due diligence on the processing, on the mining, on ESG, on financials. Uh, so to have them in as an investor really should tell the market a lot. Right. So PFS is coming up. You did mention an updated resource. Is, uh, an updated resource is that updated resource coming out first before the PFS? Yes, we need that to, to put into the PFS. And w- we did our PA with four thousand meters of drilling. We've since done ten thousand meters. So we'll take that ten thousand, put it into an updated resource with the with the goal of upping our categories to measured and indicated, which is necessary to complete a PFS. We're confident that will get done. It should be out in the next week to two weeks. We may 
see an increase in the size of the deposit and grade. We're not sure yet, but the ultimate goal was to just up these categories so that we can apply them to the PFS. Right. And will, will this updated resource include higher neodymium and praseodymium prices? Because I know the, the PEA was quite conservative. Yeah, we're working on our marketing studies right now uh, through Atomus and, and several others. And, and we'll see where the pricing is. It's interesting. You know, the rest of the rare earth companies globally use about $130 to $150 NDPR pricing. And, and we price ours very conservatively. And, and I think... Um, I think it was good that we did that. We could see $120, $130 NDPR in our marketing study, which would significantly bring up our NPV to close to a, a billion to a billion two. Great. And just to wrap up for some of the investors that are listening, can you talk a little bit about the share structure currently? Yeah, we have 250 million shares approximately out. About 80 million of those are held by the vendor that, that we option the property from. They're all loyal shareholders. They all live in the Prince George area. They're, they look at this as a legacy project. We check in with them all the time. They have not sold any shares. And then you have RCF as a, as a large shareholder too, which is they're a long-term shareholder that want to fund us through production. So if you take away the, the 100 or 120 million shares there, we've got about 130 to 150 million shares outstanding. And um, our last financing was done with some very big individuals on top of it, of RCF that will help the deal and our loyal shareholders. Great. And is there anything else that you want to touch upon before we wrap up here? No, I think, um, I think the West has to react and the governments have to get more involved. You know, the Chinese government funds all of their facilities, all their processing facilities. It's 100% government owned. So if the West is serious about securing a supply chain, they're going to have to really start participating in a bigger way. And, and we do see that happening. As you can see in the media, it's a real concern. So I think it's going to be a very exciting times for the rare earth industry and uh, for defense metals in particular. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Craig. I'm excited to see this thing move forward. Thanks, Liam. Talk soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode and remember to follow us on social media, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This episode should not be considered investment advice. Always do your own due diligence.